Welcome back to the Compete Clarity Podcast. Today, we've got Kate Smith joining us. Kate is Product Marketing Manager at Intellum, which is a customer, partner, and employee education platform. And before working in product marketing, she spent time as a sales development representative and covering and managing various aspects of social media marketing and business strategy. Kate's really switched on, and as a product marketer, she brings a slightly different perspective to competitive intelligence from some of the guests we've had on the show already. If you're performing CI as a part of your role, or if you face that eternal problem, a lack of resources, which by now you'll know I love to talk about, you're going to find this one super helpful. We're going to cover how to make your competitive program less reactive, why differentiation is important, but strategically matching competitors in some areas can be just as important, and the three things you need to be doing if you want to perform competitive intelligence as efficiently as possible. Let's welcome Kate Smith. So Kate, a very big welcome to you. Welcome to the show. We're honored to have you. Uh, Funnily enough, you're the first product marketer on the show. Our other guests have all been kind of knee deep in competitive intelligence as dedicated analysts and the like, but I'm actually quite excited about this because I think it's going to be really interesting for our listeners because I imagine many of them are going to be in the same boat as you doing competitive intelligence as part of the overall role. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm wondering just to like kick us off, what does a typical week or a typical day look like for Kate Smith? How much of it is competitive intelligence? Wow. Um, I think so. Typical typical week is pretty jam-packed, especially if we're in the midst of launching, you know, new products uh, or new updates to our, our platform. But I really spend a lot of my time, um, a lot of writing, a lot of reading, which I love to do. I've loved since I was a little girl. So um I start there, like really research heavy. Um, I'd say about a good 30% of my week is dedicated towards competitive intelligence. When I started in product marketing, it was, I'd argue, about 60%. And now that I got, uh, I've advanced in in the function, it's been taken away from me a little bit, but it's still a core, a core foundation, a core practice at my company. Um, so it'll start with meeting with product managers, um, meeting with sales, seeing if they need anything, seeing any trends that's coming out of their back pocket, uh, our CSMs as well. They'll let us know, hey, noticing this in the retention world, can we get some materials in X, Y, and Z? Um, and then we're on the launch front, really meeting with um, key leadership to talk about messaging, positioning, the market, preparing for launches. So that's really a key um a key part of my week is just prepping for launches, enabling teams, and a lot of research and a lot of writing and writing it down so someone can reference it later. Cool, cool. So um, how many people in the team working actively on CI day today? Is it um, yourself and one other? Is it a few people kind of doing it in dips and drabs here and there? So I would say it's really just me. Um, I built the functions from the ground up at my current company, and it's one of my like beacons of pride. Um, but I will say I've worked really hard to be to get competitive intelligence to be like uh, infused throughout the company. And so I see people dropping little nuggets in, in our, our CI tool, uh, talking about it in meetings. And so I'd say it's really just me owning the function and really driving it. But people are talking about it, which is so excited to see. because it's something we weren't doing uh, years prior. So you've succeeded in really developing that culture of competitive intelligence then? I'd like to say I- I hope so. Yeah, I think so. I think we definitely have some work to do like any other uh, discipline, but I think internal teams are better and more comfortable talking about what's happening in the market, which I think makes everyone just that 1% better. 
Yeah, awesome. So I'm trying to understand the the kind of fall off from 60% to 30%. Is that just when you first came in, there was a lot more legwork to do setting the function up? And now it's kind of happening, you know, a little bit more crowdsourced, other people are kind of digging in as and when they need to. And that's taken some of the load off of you? Or is it that other things have kind of come in to take over? It's a mix of both. Uh, apparently, your second point, I just have, I've when I got, uh, as I advanced in product marketing, I'm owning more launches, owning more enablement. And so you only have, you know, 40 hours in a week, sometimes 45. Um, and so when I segment my time, there's a lot of the groundwork that has been done, a lot of functions that we've put into place um, to help it kind of run on its own. But when it comes to like refreshing battle cards or doing something specific for sales, that's where that 30% really comes in. And my partner with my CI tool is amazing uh our csm over there so he is just a great partner to me in getting things done because i am a team of one um and so that's where kind of like that dip went off i of course want to do more of it um but but duty calls got you okay um and and sorry who are you typically serving who are the stakeholders i know you mentioned sales you meant it sounds like you mentioned quite a few yeah, so it's really sales. I mean, I think that's kind of like a given, right? Uh, but customer success, uh, really on the retention front, that's uh, a team that I serve, the product team. Um, they're in there looking at different product updates, kind of seeing what's, what trends are coming up there. Leadership likes to kind of get a look at, at a glance at the market and see, you know, what company, what one of our competitors have won a big client, why, um, how can we differentiate, things like that. So it's really those key groups that say the two heaviest benefactories about that. <laughs> beneficiaries <laughs> it's wednesday um our would be my would be sales of course and and our csm okay okay so a, a fair few groups then that, that sounds like quite a lot how do you deal with that yeah so i think it uh the tool that we use is great with personalization and so when i walk i'm actually walking a new director through the tool um tomorrow and we have this thing called save searches and so you can really tailor your feed to give you the information you want. So let's say I'm a product manager. I don't really care about uh, new logos. Let's just say that. I care about product updates. I care about negative reviews on the feature set. And so the tool that we use um, really helps tailor that. So then as a product manager, I'm you know I'm starting my, my meeting with my pod. We're working on um, a new release. I can go in a crayon, prep my meeting, say, okay, such and such competitor released this feature. It does this, this, and this. So it claims, what are we doing that's competitive to that when we're building this set? Um, and so that's kind of how I, I help segment the information. It really is the tool. Uh, when it comes to battle cards specifically, um, they really are, they're heavily sales focused. But the good thing is the way that I've worked with the part, my partner at our CI tool to use it is um, to have questions that can be answered either like in a net new or a retention focused conversation. Because frankly, when you're retaining a customer, you almost have to treat it like a new sale, right? Their goals have changed. They've um, maybe met certain goals or didn't, unfortunately. And so they're looking at other tools or not, but you want to treat it like a new sale. You want to start fresh with every client and build. So that's kind of how I segment for those two, the, lar the two larger audiences, for sure. Cool. Okay. So so part of it's delegate, delegating off... Um leaning on the tool for resource and part of it's leaning on your your partner at the csm is that right yeah mm -hmm. he's great cool okay um yeah i mean like something i've i've asked all my other guests about and something the listeners of earlier episodes will be very familiar with by this point is me asking guests about how to succeed in ci despite those limited resources that that you know all competitive intelligence practitioners seem to encounter at some point 
So yeah, that's really great to hear that, that you're managing and thriving despite that. I was being kind of nosy earlier and I was looking through your LinkedIn profile and I just want to read from a post you made because I, I thought this was quite cool. So um, quote, product marketers are arguably the best at taking ambiguous tasks and getting actionable results. We get to stretch our brains and come up with an answer or solution that solves a problem, end quote. So sounds like you were given some investigative work to do and you sort of nailed the task super fast. It seems to me like this is a trait that's really at the heart of competitive intelligence, right? Being yeah. able to go from fuzzy, low resolution data and turn it into actionable intelligence that people can actually go and do something with. Mm -hmm. um, what does that process look like for you? You know, going from the low res data or the ambiguous tasks mm -hmm. and turning it into something that people can go away and action. Yeah, it's actually, I had something that happened uh, with a salesperson on Thursday, like a Thursday at five o'clock email. Um, and I got a set of questions from a from their prospect. And really it was, I had to get to the core of what that person was actually asking for. Was it really product information? Yes, it was. But they were trying to figure out how they can be that champion for our, our offering, right? Um, and so I went and I just read the questions, read them twice, frankly, just to make sure I was understanding what was really being asked and got to the meat of it. And did a, just a quick comparison of um, the competitor tool and what they said they offered. Uh, looked at the tons of reviews. I love using like G2 and Trustworthy reviews. There's a lot of honesty in there, but you can get to some of the emotion <laughs> and disappointment from some other people. Um, but you can really see, okay, like what did they buy this product for? And what did it not help them do? Why are they so upset? Um, and see where functionality has failed. If I can get in the tool and like try to compare apples to apples, what we offer and what the competitor says they do, if I can't see that correlation, then it's not really to me uh, a true feature. And so I just took all that information, did my investigative work, went through tons of reviews, got in each of the tools, did my little comparison, um, and came up with just a quick document answering all their questions and quick bullets. And I'm like, hey, this is what I found. Um, let me know if this is what you were looking for. And that person was like, this is excellent work. Thank you so much. And I got it done. I would say when I started in CI, that would have taken me maybe a week. I got it done in maybe like three hours tops. So that's what I mean about like taking an amb ambiguous task. Like I get asked those things all the time. Like I need information on this. What kind of information do you need? I kind of look at what that person is being tasked with. I do my, I look in Salesforce all the time to see who they're talking to, what the prospect's title is, like what their job is. I think as CI professionals, and I think frankly, sometimes as product marketers, we have to do some of that legwork on the back end to see, okay, who are they talking to? What do they care about? And how do I frame this information to benefit them? I think that's when you really win. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like, I mean, especially dealing with so many sets of stakeholders is really crucial to understand exactly what they need and the kinds of stuff that they're going to be asking for so that you can actually deliver something that's going to be handy for them. Exactly. Yeah. Something that you said to me was that you like to think about the CI life cycle from prospect to renewal. Um, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I think so. I think about even in like a B2C sense. I don't think we talk about B2B all the time, but I actually, my first job in college was I worked at this boutique and I love retail. <laughs> like I love going to stores. I love the experience. And I learned a lot about the buyer life cycle in a retail sense. So like the first touch at the door, right? And then checking in when they're shopping. And this is also like extremely American. So like <laughs> they, uh, we're a little, um, a little extra friendly when it comes to the shopping experience. Some people might not like it, but 
Um, it's like, it's when you walk into the store and you are, you know, you're a buyer, you're browsing the stop shop, right? Somebody that works there is like, Hey, what are you looking for? Like, how can I help you? There was these like five touches we had to do. And then when I transitioned, I graduated from college, started working in, in B2B tech. I was like, we're talking about the customer lifecycle. It's like the same thing. Maybe, maybe dial back for retail and these very like point of sale type of transactions, but the meat is all there. Right. And so when I think about it in a CI sense, I think about, okay, what kind of experience, what, what does this prospect need? Why are they even looking for what my company offers? What's their first interaction with us? And in terms of like our, our social presence or ads, like, what are we saying to them? What are, what are, who are we, who are we to them? And then when you get them into a buying cycle with that prospect level, um, who are they seeing presented to them? Because obviously ads are pretty powerful. You see yourself looking at one thing and then a million things pop up. What are they seeing, Right. What are they being told? Were they told, frankly, in um, against us, right? Like, what are our competitors saying about us that's trying to skew their vision as they're in this buying cycle? And then, obviously, you're going through um, deeper in the sales cycle. You're going through, and then you get to that contract, right? People are still trying to get to them, even for signing contracts. You know, you haven't signed anything yet. You can still check us out. What are they hearing? Uh, what problems do our competitors say they're solving? And how are we? defending our stance until that contract is signed and then beyond that right they're an implementation they're like maybe they're having buyer's remorse it happens I have it I go to Target all the time I have buyer's remorse all the time um what are they hearing in the market about us and about our competitors in that sense and from their teams right like did we make the right decision I felt good about it then do I feel good about it now and why um up until when they're our customer and we're working with them day in and day out and they're hearing how much better XYZ is tool than what we have to offer. Do our CSMs know how to talk about it? Do they know how to point to it? Do they know how to tailor that information to um, kind of soothe the client? And, be, and it doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen, right? We have to be honest about it. Uh, up until that renewal, right? When they're like maybe looking at other tools, looking at pricing, looking at new features, looking at what the market has to offer. That's what I meant about the CI kind of life cycle. Because our if we're if we're doing our jobs right, we're popping up in our competitors' conversations all the time, right? They're seeing us, they're being, you know, they're asking questions, um, and it's going to happen to us too. So, at a high level, yeah. Yeah. So it sounds very much then like your approach to competitive intelligence is a customer-led one. Yeah, it is for sure. Yeah, I think that's super interesting because it's called competitive intelligence, right? But you hear all the time about how it's so important that the customer really is at the heart of what you're delivering and that, you know, you don't just become obsessed with the competitor themselves. It's funny you said that because I definitely became obsessed with what our competitors were doing when I first started. Um, and I would sit in these product meetings and I'm like, did you see that XYZ did XYZ? And they're like, but I didn't have the context. And I didn't have that, that like truth, that like uh, that North Star, I guess, so to speak about, okay, what is, what are we offering? Who do we really serve? Why do people come to us and buy our, our our tech time and time again? Right. What do we really do for them? And so not having that customer centric lens, I think you do end up trying to like as a product marketer specifically go in and be like, you need to build this feature because this is happening and yada, yada, yada. And I feel like part of being a product marketer and a, frankly, a CI led one, it's kind of being that like therapist, that calm voice. That's like, yes, that's happening. But is that relevant to our buyers? Is it relevant to our market? You know? So that that's definitely happened to me before, and I had to kind of reel it in, like, um, in, in my conversations with with my team members. That's interesting. So, what did that transition look like for you? Because I imagine that's a sort of trap that a lot of people will fall into when they first start. What 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 did the transition look like for you? 
I think so when I first started uh, I worked really hand in hand with my director at the time and so we had a great pulse of um, what she wanted me to do and how I was tasked with that when I started being brought into meetings and started speaking up frankly more um, I wasn't talking to this our CSMs as much like our retention focused people as much and so I had a one-sided view of our customer like I knew the problems they wanted to solve. I knew who they talked to. I knew what segment they were in, but I didn't know why they stayed. I didn't know what their goals were outside of that initial sale. And so once I started to develop more relationships, frankly, internally talking to support, I mean, support, if you guys are not talking to support people about problems that they see, that is like an untapped internal team member. I love our support team. They are amazing. And they're there with customers when they're at the most frustrated, right? You want to know that stuff. It's like a gold mine. Anyways, not to get off on a tangent about how much I love support, um, but it was really me talking to um, our CSMs, understanding what our customers were doing and why they were doing it, and um, kind of reflecting on times that I'd spoken up about new feature sets or new markets that our competitors were going into that weren't really relevant to our market, right? Like I knew it and I felt like I had to share it because it was part of my job, but it wasn't relevant. Um, and so once I realized, wait, that feature set doesn't really matter to my buyer, to who we serve, right? So that's that was a transition. It was more of like a reflective one. And I did get some feedback from some uh, some of my wonderful uh, leadership team, like, Kate, we love the enthusiasm, but like, you know, let's take a step back. Um, so it was a mix of that, for sure. Uh, okay, okay. Um, it sounds like one of the one of the challenge, well, one of the challenges I can imagine you facing mm -hmm. as a product marketer doing CI as, as a part of the role is trying to gather intel from like so many different kind of corners of the business and different sources. Does that become overwhelming? And, and if it does, how do you kind of consolidate all that information um, into something you can make sense of? Is it just purely viewing it through like a narrative storytelling lens? Is there somewhere centralized, some tool or something that where you chuck all of the information and then kind of go through and sort it out? Right. That's a really good question. I think that the way that I, so the way that, um, I don't want to give away too much of like my internal information, but like uh, we have like these sinks and um, a lot of different stakeholders on the go-to-market side are in them. And so I hear a lot of different things from a lot of different teams that are sourced to product specifically, but it's always relevant to product marketing because the way that we message and position a product, the way we enable a team is going to impact who they serve, Right. Uh, and so I really use that meaning. I don't know if it's really, I'm sure it's typical at other companies to have kind of like a go-to-market like sync, whether it's recurring or it's by launch, but that's a great meeting um, where I hear a lot of voices and I get to like take my, my team meeting notes, document it. And honestly, I think one of the best things that a mentor taught me was to, nothing is ever urgent, urgent, right? There's some things that are super important at your job. You need to get done within the day or within the hour, depending on what it is. But when it comes to these like regular meetings that you have, um, take a moment, leave your notes alone, and then the next day go and read them and really see what was being talked about. Like what you remember, what you wrote down and the themes that came out of it. And that should drive your, your deliverables. And so I started doing that. Maybe I'd say like Q3 of last year, I was like, okay, I was really struggling because you hear so much and you think everything is so urgent. You want to help everybody. I think product marketers are just naturally helpful people. <laughs> we talk to everybody. We're sitting talking to everybody like, oh, you have a problem? Yeah, we can solve that. Of course we can help. And um, sometimes when you when you try to solve one specific thing, you really help no one at the end of the day. And so taking a couple of minutes to digest what I've heard and think about themes, think about my team goals, my company goals, um, 
and tie it back to that really helps me th- see things through a more um, through a clearer lens. And how do you like to gather competitive intelligence primarily then? What sources do you find give you the best return on your time? Ooh, okay. Um, I guess I think I hinted earlier, I love reviews. I think reviews are so fun. Uh, G2, Captera, Trust Radius, the list goes on. But another kind of, un- I don't know if it's untapped, I wouldn't say that. But communities are great, um, depending on like what market you're in and who you serve. Uh, those are a great uh, tool to kind of go in. And not even from like a, ooh, who, who are they buying kind of thing. It's like a, what is what are these people talking about? What do they care about? Like how like what are they tasked with day to day? Like who your who your ideal um buyer or, or user is. I think communities are great. Um, I love watching like webinars. Um, so you can see some key themes with your competitors, depending on what they're talking about. Um, if you have if your competitor has a good marketing team, you can see those themes and say, okay, this is the direction they want to go in. Um, LinkedIn comments <laughs> I've gotten gold from LinkedIn comments. <laughs> I'm thinking about a particular time where I still have it on a battle card. It was a certain, it was because LinkedIn is so, um, is so frankly like role-based, right? Like you see who's talking, you go to their profile, like, oh, you're a CFO and that's my ideal buyer. Literally freely talking about how much they hated something or loved something. I think that's also, I think we always as CI professionals think about like, what do they not like? What are they unhappy with? But what are they happy with? That's, that's great information too. Um, if you're trying to break into that market or you're trying to win over that company or help your salesperson do that. Um, so those are kind of like my, where I go to first. I typically don't lean on their marketing website, like their websites, because like that's all frankly marketing focused. And so I can't really get functionality. Um, I, they can tell me what it does and they can use. And of course, as a product marketer, as part of my job is great, punchy product specific language, but it doesn't really tell me what it does. Uh and help desks, help desks and help guides. If you're looking for product information on something works, um, that's a great tool too. So lots of places. Um, it, it's really, it really is a, there's a wide variety if you can get your hands on it, on how to get CI. Yeah, no, I think like a couple of those, especially are very creative. Like I haven't heard those mentioned very often, like LinkedIn <laughs> comments and, and communities, but it makes so much sense, right? Like being able to dig into that, that human side where people feel safe enough to to say the things they might not be willing to say in like a very formal win-loss interview, for example. And imagine it's a lot cheaper to scour some LinkedIn comments than sign up for a third-party service or something like that as well. And we do those and they're they're great. They really are great. But I think to your point, it's like, you know, I, I think about people's time. It's like I've <laughs> am I gonna say this? Probably. Um, I've left some not so happy comments on things when I've been ha- unhappy with a service. Like I remember one time uh, I was upset with an airline because my flight was delayed like five hours and I was super upset, right? That I've, if in the airline world, they do competitive intelligence. I don't know. I'm not in that world, but I would definitely check out the social media comments and see what's going on people's experiences. So, yeah. Cool. Um, this might be quite a self-explanatory one, but I'll ask it anyway. If, mm-hmm. if, if someone's sort of unfamiliar with, I guess, any of those methods that you mentioned or those sources, mm-hmm. um, what tips could you kind of give for people to kind of get the most out of them? Right. I think um, hmm, that's a good question. I think for I think communities, you should tread lightly. Right. You should be an active participant in them. So I don't think that you should join communities just solely to stalk and look at information. I think if you're genuinely interested in the topic or you want to like help your buyer, you should join and participate in the conversation. Now, getting now getting nuggets of information from it is always a benefit. But at the end of the day, like communities are there to support people and help them do their jobs better. So. Um, 
if you have, let's say, I don't know, um, trying to speak as broadly as possible, but if you're a like verticalized product marketer, right, you work with one particular segment, figuring out, okay, where does my buyer go to talk about their day to day? What are they into, right? See so if you if you're interested in that same thing, or you have resources that can support that, I would definitely join and, and start in the conversation. For LinkedIn comments, um, I used to be a BDR. <laughs> and so I think about um, things very differently than a lot of my product marketer peers. Um, but as a BDR, I was always hungry for a buying signal. I was like, if you are buying, I need to talk to you. This is like my quota. I got to meet this. Um, and so I'm looking at, it's funny, like some thought leaders, frankly, in certain spaces are so niche down that you can actually find a lot of great information in there. Um, so like, let's say you're in like the MarTech segment, uh, people that are like MarTech thought leaders, like follow a couple of them and kind of see who's, who's talking in their comments and who they're speaking to. Um, there are also groups on LinkedIn too, that you can check out. So I'm in a couple for my own professional development, but, um, your buyer is likely in some too, because they want to get those good resources. It's kind of functions like community, but at a much smaller scale, um, and reviews. I don't know if, uh, it's funny at my company, like I own the review motion product marketing frankly owns the review motion um but i know at other teams demand gen probably owns it or customer marketing so if you're not talking to your other marketing peers at your company that own those you definitely want to talk to them see if they can get you a little seat or something so you can go and see things um so those are the places where i would start that's interesting what you mentioned as well about um you know not just signing up to communities just to kind of stalk and and be kind of like a faceless lurker on there um i think it kind of speaks a little bit to the 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 ethics portion of competitive intelligence as well. Like, you know, it really does seem important that people portray themselves honestly. And it is a fine line in a lot of spaces, especially with some of the stuff that's a little bit more difficult to get your hands on. So yeah, I think great advice. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and I just think that like, it just at the end of the day, you may not be in the seat that you're in forever, right? We work to primarily in, in tech. And so, you know, we're changing jobs, changing companies all the time. You don't want to leave that impression because you don't know who is watching. You could be working for that person. That's your ideal buyer that was in a community and, you know, and they could, they could notice those things. And so outside of that, I think like, you're right. The ethics portion is important. Um, another thing that I like to use for CI internally is Gong. Gong is great for CI. Um, maybe not in terms of like where lead... Sometimes, frankly, they say, I'm leaving X competitor for you guys because of this. I've seen that before. And I'm like, that is great information. Thank you for saying that wonderful uh, new, new customer. But even in terms of like pain points, right? If you really want to drill those out and say, okay, this is where our product shines, right? In terms of who, what our buyer is looking for. Um, Gong is a great tool as well. If your company has that and has, has budget for it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, one of my favorites. Cool. Cool. Okay. What recurring challenges have you faced in competitive intelligence that, you know, if you were to do it again, you'd go, okay, I have to watch out for this one because this is coming and I can't avoid it. And it's a big one. And if I was prepared for it, it would really have saved me a lot of headaches. Yeah, I think being a little bit more on the offensive of things. I think uh, when I started in CI, I was very reactive. I wasn't really understanding exactly like the big picture of our product and what direction it was going in. And so I was thinking like feature set by feature set and looking at competitive intelligence in that way, like we're building this. Okay. What in the market does this right. instead of, okay, we're going in this direction to serve this market and to serve this pain point are, what are, what are our competitors doing? And then how do their features tie into that mission? Just like our features tie into this mission. 
because I think it helps tell a better narrative than just like, oh yeah, we have um, laser beams in our platform. They have laser beams too. <laughs> like, you know, you can talk apples to apples all day, but if you're not really speaking the language of your buyer and you're not understanding what they're ta- what they have to deliver in their company um, and how your tool supports that, like our customers signed on contracts for quite a while. They're more long-term customers. Um, you can't really support that in a competitive intelligence sense. So I would definitely would have gone big picture and then zero to the nitty gritty instead of going nitty gritty and then trying to figure out the big picture from there. Cause it's harder to, it's harder to zoom out. Okay. Okay. And is that the way as well then to make sure you're staying as much as you can ahead of the competition that you've got rather than being purely reactive and kind of staying behind them? Um, th- just zooming out. Yeah, I think so. I think it helps. Um, I listened to this great podcast. I can't remember who it was, but I follow her on LinkedIn. She's a great product marketing leader. I think in Adobe. I need to read her book, but she's on a podcast and she was talking about like, especially like the AI. It was when within the AI conversation just like exploded with Google and ChatGPT. Everyone was freaking out about it. And she was like, uh, she said something and it was along the lines of like, you have to be that like that steady beat drum, that steady heartbeat that knows when to speed up, when to um, when to race to the competition and when to like, okay, we need to build something that's gonna be reactive and meet that market and meet our buyer. And when we can not ignore something new or not, you know, whatever, but have an answer to it and know that it's not part of our swan song. So I think that zooming out does really help because it, it helps you think in tech, we're so short-term and we're so reactive. But to me, the, the tech companies that I admire have stayed pretty consistent in their story and in who they serve for a very long time. And that's how they stay around so long. Um, and so that, I think zooming out is really what helps um, you stay ahead of the curve, really serving your market well and and having kind of like that champion fan base that loves your product and brings it to their other companies and grows your business in that other way too, than just trying to exhaust your developers to build stuff that nobody may may not use right in your market or in your in your buyer in your in your world so yeah i'd say zooming out really does that awesome okay um okay obviously your your day-to-day role is product marketing and competitive intelligence is is a part of that yeah let's talk a little bit more about how those two aspects kind of feed into each other Mm because presumably you're thinking about how you can market your products and your brand all day long and then you're using what you learn from competitive intelligence to inform and shape your, your positioning and, and various other strategies as well. How really do those two aspects, competitive intelligence, product marketing, how do they kind of feed into each other, specifically strategy-wise? Cool. So I think what we started something new actually at the product level is um, adding a competitive intelligence like kind of nugget to like the new product cycle. So I'll bring in that information and help kind of shape the frame of mind from the market landscape to our product team. Um, so that's something new that we've been doing that I think is really cool. But I think in terms of like messaging and positioning um, is really understanding like what, like where we stand and then where our competitors stand and then areas in which where we want to match the market to be like it's core functionality or it's core story and where we want to be, dif- where we want to be different, right? And so I will say in my product marketing world and competitive intelligence, marrying them together. Um, if I'm ever like writing something for, like a landing page, I'll check out my competitors and kind of see what they're saying, kind of see how they're talking about it, seeing if it's something that we need to kind of match or if we're taking that like anti-hero approach and saying something completely different, right? Because it just serves 
our narrative and our long-term strategy better. Um, so that's where I think it, in ter- terms of marketing, it comes into play. And I've seen some really cool, um, some of my peers have done some really cool CI with like land, like competitive landing pages. I love those um, where they literally will essentially take a competitor's landing page and like do the opposite of it. And then when their competitor is like, when you're Googling a certain competitor, you'll see don't buy this tool by ours and you go to that landing page and you see like it's an exact answer to their landing page so I've seen in the digital more so digital marketing world how that works and I'm sure product marketing has a hand in how that's written because that's just part of our jobs um but I've seen those I we haven't done them at, at my company but I think those are really cool so I think I mean to, to sum it up it really is just knowing where the market is knowing if we can get those like new signals of new things coming out or direction that our our competitor is going in, keeping that in our back pocket and having it ready to go um, if we need to talk about it. So, yeah. Cool, cool. Mm -hmm. Um, That's very interesting what you said about like strategically matching some things that competitors are doing because I think actually people kind of ignore that or they gloss over it and they don't really talk about it very much. Maybe it's just assumed. um, I'm not a subject matter expert in CI, so, (laughs) but um. Like maybe it's just assumed that, yeah, you should definitely be doing that, but it's not something I've heard talked about too often where it definitely makes sense because I feel like it might be quite tempting just to, just to want to be the anti-hero, as you said, or kind of contrarian and just go against the grain with everything that you possibly can. But there are obviously points where the customer's asking for something that kind of aren't that many different variations on how you can do that thing right. And if a competitor's got it right, just match it, deliver it, and then you're checking the box for the customer and your differentiation is your differentiation. And then it's like a no-brainer for the customer. It's like, oh, yeah, I saw that. They do that too. And then, But they do so much more in this area, which is really going to help us out because of these reasons. I think the easier you can make it for your, your buyer or your customer to be like, to knock off the competitors when they're doing their internal conversations and be like, yeah, I saw it. It's fine. But they do that and so much more. I think that, that the easier it makes us, we would win that deal. Got you. Mm-hmm. What's the most challenging part of your role? Oh my gosh, what um, what is the most challenging part of my role? I think I think it's just a, a trend in tech, just doing more with less, right? Um, teams are a little bit leaner nowadays, and so really understanding like, what is mission critical for my work and what can I push to you know another week or later in the month. I think we have to get really good at prioritizing the motions and the deliverables and the work that helps us win. Um, I think in a time, and I've always been on a smaller product marketing team, but I think even more so now, um, just really checking in with my leadership, making sure that the tasks that I'm working on are tying into, again, my team's goals, my company's goals, um, and really moving the needle forward towards our, our bigger our bigger initiatives. So I think that's the most challenging part for any market or any person in tech nowadays. But I think in terms of product marketing um i think it's delivering competitive intelligence um in that kind of personalized way that i like to do when it calls for it right sometimes i point team members to like there's a battle card on this check this out read it love it let me know if you have any questions sometimes i am doing that more personalized approach like i talked about earlier where it's like this process has this these questions that's not really available i'm going to answer them for you and give you some information um, so I think it's it's knowing when to go super personalized and when it's like, okay, we've got resources, I'm going to point you to those too. Cool. Uh, going back to the, the prioritization bit again, I know you mentioned earlier, you know, being a product marketer, you're speaking to everybody, everyone's got requests, you want to help everyone. Um, do you have any advice for people who maybe are struggling to kind of set those boundaries and say, 
actually, this isn't the most critical thing right now. You know, thank you for the request, but going to have to decline or going to have to, you know, put you in the queue, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think having a great relationship with your direct boss is really going to help you prioritize things. Um, and if you don't, I would really work on getting kind of getting into their head and kind of say, okay, when they're talking to the executive team, what are they being told, right? Because that feeds down to what you're being told. Uh, And as you get these side requests and these side asks coming at you, frankly, I present them to my director. I'm like, I got these six asks this week in my one-on-one. How should I divide and conquer this? And as even working through that motion, I can kind of already put it in like a queue in my head. Like, okay, this is a, a tier two to me, so I can work on this later in the week. This is a tier one, so it's it's an in-market sale. I need to help the salesperson do X, Y, and Z. You can kind of already see the urgency depending on who the ask is and what the ask is, but I think doing an extra gut check and being like, here's how I'm going to prioritize these extra asks. What do you think will help, I think, you prioritize things better? I'm a big fan of asking the question, even if it seems like a dumb question ask it anyways. You never want to be in your own head about stuff because your your boss is probably privy to things that you're not privy to. And then bringing in that context can really help you prioritize your tasks outside of your job, right? Because a lot of these asks, they're related to your job, but they're not your day-to-day tasks that you have to get done. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, t- tell us about your, um, your biggest competitive intelligence success story. Wow, my biggest competitive intelligence success story. Um, I think it's more of, there's not really one that I can point to. I think it's looking at the end of last year and seeing that our win rate, win rate was like 160%. That was one of my uh, and one of my company goals, frankly, and seeing that product marketing credit intelligence that contribute over $2 million to that goal using our tool. Um, and I think it's just, I think with competitive intelligence, you don't always hear from sales or from CSMs like, you know, oh, I use this and it helped tie to this 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 deal and I want it. You know, sometimes they do. But I think being able to like use the data from our CI tool to kind of tell that story about this foundation of sometimes like, you know, you don't see the fruit of that labor. <laughs> you just don't. Like, you know, it's going to get used. You know, people are going to look out for it. They need it. But uh, you don't really see the results. But looking at the end of last year and seeing how much close one revenue competitive intelligence competitive uh contributed to was really just like a wow okay the work that I do like by myself in my like off hours at work is really helping moving the company forward so it's super cool awesome awesome you you mentioned CI contributed like two million dollars to to the goal how were you tracking that if you don't mind me asking was that all through the tool the CI so platform it's all through our tool but it's connected to Salesforce and so every time um, a person logs into Salesforce and absorbs that battle card and it goes to close one it calculates it that way got you got you i think that's going to be really helpful for people who you know everyone wants to be able to demonstrate revenue impact with what they're doing and everything else for career development and and everything and something that you do here is competitive intelligence is quite difficult to track you know the the revenue impact and i think things like that presumably reasonably straightforward to implement but Mm -hmm. um can really solve that problem for a lot of people for sure for sure Okay, just to end on them, because I'm sure you're very well qualified to comment on this. Um, <laughs> how can people perform their competitive intelligence responsibilities more efficiently? Um, you know, maybe it comes to things like leveraging internal resources, CRM, customer support and customer success and stuff like that. Any kind of closing advice around that? Yeah, I would get really, I'd become really good friends with your marketing officer, sales person. If you're, if you have a CI tool, 
um, to really help tighten up that communication because when all those, when your integrations work beautifully, you get a beautiful CI story that you can tell, I mean, professionally, but also to your company. Um, I would also, if you have somebody that like you mentor at work or kind of like looks up to you that wants to get into the work that you're doing, I mean, definitely enable them and be like, hey, help me out with this. I have uh, someone that's great on my team that helps me out with CI work all the time. And she is amazing. Um, and I think also just like if you're building out the function, don't be afraid to bring up relevant information from the market that you see, right? In a meeting, um, in a one-off conversation, just to kind of get, that's what I started doing to make competitive intelligence more of a normalized thing. Cause we weren't talking about our competitors for a long time. So those are the three things I would do. Like become best friends with your ops person because they are going to help you streamline process and everybody loves uh, really tight data and all that good source of truth information. Um, I would, if you are a team of one, like I am a team of two, um, I would envelop help from people that want to be in your seat, that want to learn more about your function, at, that they can do kind of like as side work if they have the bandwidth to do it. In CI, everybody can source information, help update a battle card. I think everyone should know how to do that. Um, and then finally, be able to tell that story um, and start talking about CI. And if you hear something in a conversation from a CSM, like, oh, I'm really struggling with this renewal because they keep talking about this competitor and you have information to share, share it. You know, it's really just, you got to be the mouthpiece for a while before people realize that the, a, a tool is being built and that it's there to help them. So those are the three things I would do. Got you. So becoming best friends with your ops person, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> delegation kind of via mentoring, and um, kind of strategically bringing up um, the info from the market to start telling the story, start making uh, competitive intelligence uh, a more talked about thing internally. Yep, that's it. You got it. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Kate. Cheers. Thank you. This was so much fun. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Compete Clarity podcast. Before you go, I've got a question for you. In today's job market, differentiation is really important. Interview processes today have four, five, or even more stages, and proving your worth is getting harder all the time. How valuable would it be to you to be able to bypass all of that in the eyes of the recruiter because they're already familiar with your work? Well, listen, we want to help you by offering you the means to do just that. We'll work with you to quickly adapt your work into SEO-optimized articles, ghostwritten guides, and podcast episodes just like this one. It's never been easier to differentiate yourself, so why not start today? Sound interesting? Just send an email with Sign Me Up in the subject line to contribute at competitiveintelligencealliance.io. That's contribute at competitiveintelligencealliance.io.